and welcome to The Trusted Advisor, a channel-focused podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. I'm Jim Roddy, your host for today. Thank you so much for joining us. This pod and video series is designed specifically for point-of-sale resellers and software developers, and our goal is to educate you on the topics of technology, leadership, management, sales, marketing, and other small business best practices. This is a special episode of The Trusted Advisor, a COVID-19 crisis community roundtable consisting of VARs, software developers, vendors, distributors, and other solution providers serving the retail, restaurant, and grocery markets. Uh, This is our fourth roundtable in a series that we have put together. And just for context, we're recording this the morning of Thursday, April 16th. I say that because as we know, uh, paying attention to this situation, um, a lot of things can change hour to hour, day to day, week to week. So we're recording this at this point, uh, April 16th with that knowledge. And again, this is round table number four. We recorded a similar one uh, yesterday afternoon, uh, which is available on the RSPA blog and the RSPA YouTube channel. Uh, the first two round tables we recorded a, a few weeks back and it dealt with the immediacy of the crisis, talking about working from home. Uh, how do you handle that? Uh, employee and merchant communication, best practices. The topics we're going to talk about today, and we'll dive into them a little bit later, but just to give you a heads up, we're going to talk about how uh, RSPA members, solution provider members are utilizing federal resources, the CARES Act, the Paycheck Protection Program, uh, emergency disaster loans. That's going to be a big chunk of our conversation. We're also going to dive into sales and marketing tactics during the crisis, and also how solution providers are adjusting their staffing levels and their service tactics as well. This will be an open forum, an information sharing discussion detailing how solution providers are navigating this crisis. And please note the views and opinions expressed during this roundtable are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the Retail Solutions Providers Association. Also, we've asked everyone on today's call to avoid sales pitches and to identify themselves when they speak for the benefit of our listeners. Okay, so before we open up the roundtable, we do have a few uh, housekeeping items uh, that we want to talk about first. First, thanks so much to the uh, RSPA 2020 Platinum sponsors, Blue Star, Heartland, ScanSource, and Shift4 Payments. They make this podcast possible. They make many other RSPA services possible. Uh, We've created several over the last uh, few weeks to assist our members with the COVID-19 crisis and um, have received a lot of positive feedback on that. So again, thanks Blue Star Heartland, ScanSource, and Shift4. Uh, some of the benefits that we see our members taking advantage of uh, most of all during this crisis is first uh, the RSPA legal hotline. So the RSPA provides members with unlimited phone uh, and email consultations with RSPA legal counsels, Bob Goldberg and Jill Miller, along with access to legal templates and the opportunity to have contracts reviewed. Uh, they've been working long hours during this crisis, answering uh, many uh, many questions. And a big guidance uh, that Bob has given in the first two webinars as he recorded is lean on your legal counsel, lean on your accountant, because these new laws, these new guidelines, um, you need somebody to help you keep up to speed with those. So if you're an RSPA member, there's no charge for uh, email and phone consultations with the legal counsel. And you can connect with Bob at bob.goldberg at sfnr.com, that's B-O-B dot G-O-L-D-B-E-R-G at sfnr.com. Again, legal experts, uh, industry experts, no charge for RSPA members. Uh, We also have a service called uh, through GMS, Group Management Services. So RSPA members receive preferred rates on a variety of HR services, including employer risk management, federal, state, and local HR law compliance assistance, employee performance management, payroll, employee benefits administration, and more. And so just like they say on the GMS website, do what you do best, outsource the rest. Uh, This is a very tricky time from an HR perspective. And so GMS can really help you navigate through that. So if you want to, if you're an RSPA member, want to take advantage of uh, the GMS services, um, you can email membership at gorspa.org. That email is really the key to unlock uh, all the services at the RSPA as offer. So again, whether you're a member or a non-member interested in, in this uh, offering, membership at gorspa.org. Also specifically for the COVID-19 crisis, RSPA has created several resources. You can access them through gorspa.org forward slash crisis hyphen resources. 
Uh, as I alluded to earlier, uh, attorney Bob Goldberg has uh, recorded two COVID-19 webinars. The first one was with uh, HR expert and RSPA chairperson Chelsea Paulson talking about communication guidelines. Uh, Bob then recorded one giving a lot of specifics on the CARES Act. Uh, this uh, link will also access the RSPA blog. Uh, we've produced over a dozen uh, blog posts to this date. The community has been really great helping uh, with that. You can also subscribe and you'll see uh, episodes of the Trusted Advisor podcast, which you're uh, the folks who are attending the roundtable today are participating in. We've also put together guides for small business resources for VARs and ISVs, and also one for merchants. We've had resellers, this is a reseller request, um, that we put together a link that resellers can put on their website, and that way they can share with their merchants, hey, here's how to get access to a lot of these other uh, programs that uh, can help them. Uh, and then also I'll say the RSPA staff is all in uh, on this effort. It's all hands on deck to help our members, and the entire RSPA team uh, is on this call today. We're here in this roundtable. We want to hear you and what you need, and we are also here for you. One of the things that I want to touch on it is we started a, uh, a section called the RSPA Restaurant Rescue, and so we believe that online ordering is going to be vital to sustain the restaurant industry in the near term during this pandemic. So Restaurant Rescue is a list of member companies with digital ordering initiatives and related technologies that can help VARs and ISVs provide solutions quickly to merchants in need. And uh, those who are watching on the video right now, this is just a screen grab of part of the list. Uh, we have over 40 member companies, 40 organizations who are helping move this forward. So again, follow that same URL, go rspa.org forward slash crisis hyphen resources. All right, so that is the warm up, and now it's time to start the roundtable. Uh, we have uh, almost 40 individuals on this call right now. And again, the topics that we want to address, and for those folks who are uh, participating live in the roundtable, please start lining up your questions now, and then we'll be able to uh, call on you and get the uh, conversation uh, going today. Um, and so the topics we're going to focus on is how members are pursuing and utilizing new federal government resources through programs such as the CARES Act and PPP, how members are adjusting their sales and marketing approach during the COVID-19 crisis, and how members are adapting their staffing levels and service tactics during this pandemic. So we have a few questions uh, that have uh, come in so far. Uh, and so Stephen Enfield uh, from POS Supply Solutions up in Massachusetts uh, has a question. And so uh, Kathy, if we can uh, welcome Stephen, that would be great. Stephen Enfield, are you there? I am here. Good morning, Jim, Kathy, and uh, RSPA hey. community. Hello, Stephen. What's your question for the group? All right. My question is this. So um, I have applied for the PPP loan um, through my local bank, which fortunately was an SBA and approved lender. I was approved on Friday uh, and was told it would be seven to 10 business days for a closing date. And then um, after closing, it would be 24 to 48 hours uh, for funding. And my question to the group is, has anyone else receive funding yet. I've talked to other business owners and it seems like there's been a lot of delays and challenges with the PPP loan. So I'm curious um, as to the feedback from the group on the status of their loans. Great, thank you. And so you said you applied on Friday. Was it easy to apply? Was it time consuming or was it a fairly uh, quick process for you? It was fairly straightforward. I also did apply for the uh, EIDL loan two and a half weeks ago, and that was a that was a bear. That was very time consuming, and they asked for a lot of information. Um, and I have yet to hear back from the SBA on the EIDL loan that I submitted two weeks ago. The you know the PPP loan was 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 fairly straightforward um, from a, an administrative perspective. Got it. Okay, thank you. We will uh, throw out your question to the group. So again, if folks can line up with a question, anybody who's had an experience uh, applying for the PPP loan, uh, we would love to uh, hear from you so you could answer uh, Stephen's question there. Again, just use the question function and uh, that way we'll know that your name and then we'll be able to, to call on you. So uh, Stephen, I will say again, we had a round table 
yesterday, and we did have several folks who weighed in about uh, completing that loan. And if, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we had folks who talked about applying one day and then in two to three business days having money in their bank account. I know we had more than one reseller on the line uh, who did say how, you know, what an odd experience it was to fill out a form and then 48, 72 hours later, you get a bunch of money uh, in your bank account. So we have had folks who uh, did uh, have success with it. We also had some folks who uh, their bank wasn't ready for it or another bank wasn't ready for it. So they went to uh, another one. They kind of gave some guidance of some of these small local banks are really uh, scrambling and hustling to make that happen. But again, hoping this is a roundtable discussion. And so if anybody else in the group is able to weigh in on that, please uh, just leave your question and uh, we will we will get to you. Um, it looks like David Glantz from Business Sense uh, in California uh, is also here. Uh, and David, uh, you had either a question or a comment about the PPP and uh, EIDL. I would love to see a poll of who has received either the PPP or the EIDL, EIDL either the loan or the advance, because there's two. The EIDL can be a loan. They also have a an advance that they're not asking to be repaid. Um, it will get, uh, if you applied for the PPP, it'll get deducted from your PPP, the 10K. But I'd be curious um, to do a poll. But in the meantime, I can tell you that from, and we applied on the, the morning of the third when it first became available. And, and that's also through our local bank. Actually, it's not a local bank. It's a very large bank, but it's the one we bank with and we have a business account. And we heard on the, that following Tuesday from them, they actually called me. I was astounded. They wanted to make sure we knew there was two new documents we had to fill out. And, uh, and so we filled out everything, uploaded everything on Tuesday and that, the, the, whether it's the seventh or eighth or whatever that was and haven't heard anything since. So I don't know, um, the mm. status and they, uh, our bank is saying, well, you can't call us. You can't talk to the branch. It's not in your online portal. Uh, you'll just have to wait to, to, for us to contact you. Uh, so that's, I mean, that's our experience. We also applied for the EIDL advance. And we did that also on the third and haven't heard anything at all from them. My understanding is that the EIDL has uh, run out of money at this point, or the SBA has run out of money for the EIDL. Doesn't mean that if you've applied that there isn't money, but they can't commit any more at this point until they get more approval from, from the feds. Um, I can tell you also from our, my, from my experience with our clients, of all the ones that have that I know of that have uh, put an application into the PPP, and that's a few dozen, that not one of them has received funding yet. And I only know of one through peers, so this is probably hundreds of applications, and only one has received funding of those. So it, it's a bizarre time. It's uh, it's just wait and see. And I know yeah. our clients are having challenges with that. I mean, there are some of them are trying to figure. You know, they've been trying to hold on and not lay people off, uh, hoping the PPP will come through and might have to end up laying off or furloughing um, because they just are they're running out of money and, and you know, it's payroll right now. Yeah, payroll. it's interesting. So, uh, David, just so you know, a couple uh, comments have come in where people said PPP applied and approved, waiting for funding, EIDL applied two weeks ago and still waiting for feedback. Um, but the roundtable that we had yesterday, which is available now on the RSPA blog, which if you go right now, I should, uh, you can, if you're listening to this on demand, you can pause and then go check this out right now. But if you're in the live thing, we don't want you to bail out of the roundtable. But if you go on the RSPA website and click on blog, you'll see that we have the roundtable up there. I know Rick Fueling from Right Systems and Sartell uh, and then Lance Bell from Serving Intel uh, based out of Chicago. They both talked about applying and they have received significant funds already in their bank account. Like it was not just a promise, not just an approval. So it's interesting that the folks uh, here are you know, having a different kind of experience. I also think what I've heard from the, I said one, there's two that I know of that have received funding. And both of those are through small banks, small local banks. Uh, it seems like the larger ones are 
slower in, in my, it seems. Got it. That uh, was kind of the conjecture yesterday is that uh, the, yeah, the larger banks were, um, you know, having some more difficult time. The smaller ones were, were hustling. So, well, David, thank you very much. Might come back to you later in the call. Uh, I do have um, Michael Tash, uh, RSPA board member and also one of the owners of Essential Systems in the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, Michael, you have some insights on your experience for applying for a Paycheck Protection Program um, loan. Can you uh, share that story, Michael? Uh, Michael, are you there? Jim, he's unmuted uh, Michael, on the line. Oh. He may not, he yeah. may have muted himself. Oh. Can you hear me now? Got it. Yep. He just sent a note that his audio uh, is not working. Uh, so, Michael, we'll see if we can get that for you. Maybe you'll have to uh, dial back in. Uh, in the meantime, so Michael had a success story, too, because he said he's already been uh, funded. So, Michael, hopefully we'll be able to, to get you back there. Let us know if you're uh, able to get that working. Uh, Matt Bamberg. Oh, Michael, are you there? Can you hear me? I, just barely. If you can speak up really loudly, that'd be fantastic. Okay. I'm trying it. All right. So, Michael, go ahead. All right. Looks like his audio is not working. We'll try to uh, get back to Michael uh, in a little bit. Uh, Matt Bamberg. Uh, if you can share uh, what company you're from, and I guess also what part of the country, because that uh, might make a difference with these things. And if you can talk about your experience, please. Sure. Uh, we're in Iowa. It's integrated point of sale. Uh, we applied on a third as well, uh, both for the grant, the $10,000 grant, as well as PPP. Uh, I got some information back from our bank, which is a national bank. They're pretty good size. Um, as far as they asked for additional documents late last week. Um, but since then, their website basically just says the loan is in processing. And I've talked to a rep at the bank who said they would chase it. That was yesterday. And I finally got frustrated and called uh, my state senator, who actually responded, uh, surprisingly enough, uh, and said that they knew uh, or had a relationship with this bank group and would reach out to him on my behalf. So waiting, still waiting. Um, but my question is, and this is probably from a legal HR standpoint, is is in my case, we said we had 22 employees, which we did last, the last 12 months, but I've had to start laying people off just to, because there's no income coming in, obviously. Um, I've been trying to hang on to as many as I can, but I've been laying people off and most likely if the loan does come through, I won't be bringing those people back because we anticipate having to downsize moving forward. A lot of our customers have told us that they're just not going to reopen, period, that this has put them out of business. And so we're, we've already seen probably 10% of our customer base just evaporate. So if I don't use that money for payroll, I'm guessing that I'm just paying a 1% interest penalty. Is that Would that be correct? Uh, so that would be a question for your accountant uh, or your legal counsel. Again, uh, Matt, with being an RSPA member, I would uh, fire that question off to uh, Bob Goldberg because I'm sure he'd be able to answer it uh, quickly for you. Uh, I can say anecdotally because we've talked, uh, the RSPA staff has talked with uh, resellers and software developers on a regular basis. And then we just had the round table yesterday where that has to be applied to headcount. Um, in particular, and you know there are, like you said, penalties or fees or, or extra interest uh, that you'll have to pay if you don't do it in that way. But that would be something to navigate through with your uh, with your control with your accountant in terms of the best practices for that. But yeah, if okay. you're going to end, you know, the period John, with fewer first, people one, than you had when you started. Oh, go ahead, John. Yeah, I'm sorry, Jim. I was just going to help Matt a little bit on this, um, give you a little more information. I think Jim's advice is sound. Um, but in addition to that, I would just share that 75% of your loan uh, has to uh, be consistent with your pre-COVID headcount and payroll amount. Um, 
I would also uh, advise everybody to be very familiar with uh, the forgiveness remedies beyond the face value that I just shared with you in terms of your payroll amount and your payroll headcount, because there are some other opportunities for you to remedy uh, the forgiveness uh, so that you don't have to pay anything back. So just be fully aware of all your options. And as Jim said, the best way to, to, to dig into the details is your attorney, you're a banker, your banker, and your accountant. Uh, and the other thing I would just underscore, gang, it's it's like on this call, there's there's been results for you as you've gone through the process, and we feel bad about that. But I, I want to give you some encouragement because on yesterday's call, as Jim has, has alluded to, we did hear nothing but success stories. And one in particular, within days, a $500,000 check showed up in, or, or an amount showed up in an account. So the program is working. Uh, you guys uh, keep the faith and keep following your process and getting through to your bankers and, and, and uh, making sure that uh, you've got advocates there. Uh, but the program is working. Now, we all have heard that the, the initial funding has been depleted or near depletion, and they're going to try to restore that uh, that uh, source of income or source of uh, liquidity. I think we got to keep doing what we're doing all the people to you but be aware uh, once you get the funding and once you get approved make sure you're fully aware of the remedies for forgiveness because they're not all common sense and you don't want any surprises down the road thank you john hey john while we still have you on the line somebody just weighed in with a question and said my understanding is that 75 percent is applied to payroll the remaining can be used for rent, mortgage, and utilities, and the rest would be 1% loan or paid back. I guess, is that your understanding as well, uh, or is it something different? No, that, that is my understanding. It, you have to, 75% uh, uh, of loan has to go toward retaining your employees, and then you have some discretion. So I think you're, I think you're on the right, right track there. Great, thank you. Matt, is that helpful? Yep, that, that's very helpful. Thank you. Got it. Great. Thank you. And again, uh, Bob Goldberg is uh, there for RSPA members. Um, you know, email him anytime. I, I know he's been responding uh, morning, noon, uh, and night. So we have a few folks who want to weigh in. Uh, Michael Tash uh, is back with us, and we think the audio is working. And, uh, you know, Michael, I feel like we should do, because I know you're uh, very active. You have a, a great band that a lot of folks have seen, like we could have done a mic check before. So how's our audio working now on the bass? Can you hear me now? Any yeah, better? much better. Thank you. Michael Tash from, yeah, from ESS in the Washington, D.C. area. Go ahead. Great. I was just going to throw in, we work with a local bank, this community bank, and we had applied for the PPP funding the week before last. And Saturday morning, we got an email from them that the SBA had changed some of the rules and changed some of the forms. But the short version, we, we submitted the application on Monday of last week. I signed the paperwork on Thursday, and we were funded on Friday morning. So it's uh, crazy how quickly it worked. But as long as, from, from what I was told, as long as you have all the paperwork and everything in the packet that they need when you submit it, it moves pretty quickly. Got it. And so just to clarify the dates on that, you applied for the loan on April 6th. Uh, you signed the note on Thursday the 9th, and there was money in your account Friday the 10th. Is that correct? Correct. Got it. All right, and so it's just you're thinking, make sure you have all the documents, and uh, we have somebody uh, who actually has a story uh, related to that. Any other insights, Michael, that you would give um, related to you know the the entire process? Just work work with your bank. Um, it's it's a lot more difficult from what I've heard from our customers and other um, you know just other businesses in our area. If you're working with a bank like a BB and T. Bank of America Capital One, because they have so many people trying to apply and they, they don't have the resources to, it seems like they don't have the resources just to move those applications along. Whereas with our local bank, 
you know, it's the lender that we deal with for, you know, if we need a car loan, it's the same person. Mm -hmm. Got it. Great, Michael, thank you very much. We appreciate you uh, sharing your insights. And uh, Joe Euler, uh, you submitted a, a question a while back, so thank you for uh, being patient. If you can, uh, I guess, describe your company, where you're located, and then uh, either your experience or your question related to uh, these resources. Please, Joe. Yes, I'm, I'm located in the Mid-Atlantic region, uh, in the Fredericksburg area. We also have offices in Virginia Beach. Uh, we actually uh, applied for the EL, uh, the disaster loan on the 30th, and still haven't heard anything about that. Um, and then we applied um, on the 3rd for the PPP loan, and then got noticed over the weekend from my local banker uh, that the U.S. Treasury changed the form and that you would have to reapply. So we redid that. But then after that, we realized after getting approval, that there was an error in the calculation uh, and we cut ourselves short a little bit. So we didn't sign any of the paperwork yet. And I was wondering if any other uh, value-added reseller had this experience where they had to make a correction and resubmit. Uh, the banker told us originally that we could not reapply even though we didn't sign any paperwork yet. But um, that's the... Uh, we're still waiting to hear clarification from the bank on that. And I was wondering if anybody else in the industry uh, had experienced anything like that. Got it. Yeah, I'm sorry that you're uh, that you're going through that. Can I ask, and somebody's weighing in, and uh, we'll get to them in, in one second. They might have some uh, perspective for you. Um, what is your next step? Like, are you in a wait and see, or I, I, what are you, where are you thinking of going from here? Well, we're in a wait and see right now. Um, but, you know, hearing the horror stories about their, the money's running out and they haven't, you know, refilled or whatnot, it's probably just going to delay it uh, more in getting funding. Um, unfortunately, it was a calculation error, but uh, uh, we don't want to sign off because once you sign off, my understanding from the uh, banker yeah. that um, you're locked in with that amount only. You can't reapply for it. So um, we didn't want to go that route. Um, but it's kind of a wait and see right now. Got it. Okay. Thank you, Joy and or Joe. I'm sorry, combining That's your okay. first and last name. Uh, <laughs> uh, Stephen Enfield, if we can go back uh, to you for a second, because uh, you're talking about your understanding is that the PPP loans vary greatly by bank. So again, Stephen's in uh, Massachusetts with POS Supply. Yeah, I'm part of a, a Vistage group, which is a, a group of small business owners. And uh, I was on a call yesterday with 15 fellow owners. And like you said, uh, the bigger banks, uh, I heard Bank America, Bank of America was the first one to have the application live. Um, you know, they've got the technological resources to do that. But then uh, once you got the loan submitted, he didn't hear back. So, um, you know, and it was just all over the map with people hearing back from their local banks and um, the experience with the actual application and the funding timeframe. But again, the common theme is, you know, the smaller community banks tend to be more responsive um, on, the, on the loans. Got it, thank you. And have you heard anything about applying at different banks? Like even if people don't have a banking relationship, like, you know, kind of, I'm going to say divide and conquer, but, uh, you know, have more irons in the fire, to use another cliche. Um, I, I haven't heard anything there. I do know, you know, initially there was, you know, a thousand SBA approved banks that were put out um, and they've been quickly adding banks to that. Um, and I've had a couple other people reach out to me since then, um, you know, even um uh, American Express, their their merchant advance services now um, are an SBA approved lender for PPP loans. So they're quickly expanding the SBA approved lending um, companies, even outside of traditional banks, like I said, like American Express and um, um, I, I've heard a other, couple other companies. Got it. Thank you. Yeah, I wasn't aware of that from an Amex. Had not heard 
that before. So thank you for that perspective, Stephen. And uh, let's go back to uh, Michael Tash again at ESS. Uh, Michael has some additional insights on this about multiple banks. Michael. Michael, is your audio working? Uh, it appears that it is not at this point. Um, yeah, I had heard. So I guess, uh, Michael, you, you can apply. There we go. Okay. Go ahead, Michael. You got me? There yeah, we do, yes. Um, I had heard that you can apply multiple, multiple financial institutes, that it's kind of a first come, first serve type of process. God, have you heard of anybody who's done that? I don't know if any of your merchants have done that at all, or is that just something that you've heard? I don't know if anybody had a practical application uh, of doing that. I have I have heard from a couple people that they have done it, and they hadn't gotten the funding yet because they were applying at their local bank. They were also applying through, um, I guess, like a broker. Um, one of them, I think they were applying through Heartland Capital, and I don't remember the third one, but they were told, okay. you know, the application, and it's not like a normal loan process where you, you know, they check your credit and you can't be applying or doing anything else. This one is different, and it's whoever gets, you know, whoever the SBA gets the application first from, they process it. I see. Okay, so it's almost like building up a prospect list, right? The more people you're reaching out to, the better chance you have of one of them coming in from a sales yeah. standpoint. Got it. Great, thank you for that uh, insight, Michael. And so I, uh, we don't see any other questions related to pursuing and utilizing the new federal government uh, resources. If somebody does have one, uh, well, we just um, had a couple notes come in. Uh, I'd be a careful applying through a broker possibility for extra fees, so something noted about that. And then regarding multiple banks, some lenders have a question on their app asking you've applied with another lender and will reject you if you have. And I think that kind of ties in with the uh, the earlier point of different banks are handling this differently. It's a very fluid situation. Um, and to John Kirk's point earlier, you've got to be persistent with this. Like I uh, love the example of, uh, I think it was Joe calling his state senator uh, to try to move things forward, like you have to be persistent uh, with these with these things. Uh, also, I guess to wrap up this part of the conversation before we start talking about sales and marketing and then staffing levels and service tactics, again, if you want to weigh in on that, uh, please uh, send us a question. Uh, and if I don't have enough questions, I will start calling on people uh, until we get um, you know, to the end of the uh, the roundtable here. So be on guard uh, that I may be be calling on you. Uh, but Bob Goldberg's advice was um, that, and so regarding EIDL loans and grants. So on April 6th, the uh, SBA decided to implement a thousand dollar cap per employee with a maximum of ten thousand dollars on the grant. And Bob said this decision is contrary to how the grants were originally presented. And so originally it was ten thousand dollars. Uh, and it didn't matter the number of employees that you had, you know, it, you could go below 10 employees. But now again, this has changed SBA, it's a $1,000 cap per employee with a maximum of 10,000. Uh, and then also independent contractors could apply beginning April 10th. And Bob's advice is apply quickly, the funds are running out and Congress has not yet agreed on additional funds. Uh, if you listen to the scuttlebutt, it seems like at some point they will, but there very well could be a gap. And here we are in very much a cash flow situation. So you wanna make sure, and it sounds like uh, folks on this call have applied already. If you haven't, make sure you're taking the process, talking to potentially other banks, and uh, again, for sure, talking with your accountant and your, your legal counsel. So thanks everybody for weighing in on uh, how they're utilizing the new federal government resources. So let's shift again to sales and marketing and staffing levels. Uh, I have had one question that came in on that. Uh, Lindsay Fuller uh, from Staley Technologies. Uh, Lindsay, if you can share with us uh, Staley's approach to sales and marketing, if you can give a little bit of background on uh, Staley uh, first, uh, where you're located and what Staley does, please. 
sure. Um, we're located in Little Rock, Arkansas. As our headquarters, we have a couple locations in strategic places in the country. Um, but we are a point of sale provider for retail and hospitality, as well as a low voltage cabling deployment provider. Um, and so our clients, you know, kind of have a, a wide range of of impact. Where some of the larger retailers that are essential businesses are, you know, still busy moving ahead with projects, but also feeling the very real pain that our restaurant clients are going through. So to that end, we've really just pulled back um, sales outreach efforts and made it all about sort of like a heart-centered empathy forward outreach, just checking in on people, letting them know, you know, we're going to be here when they reopen or when they get back to doing business as, as the new normal is for them. Um, and just really kind of promoting local restaurant initiatives, you know, sharing food photos from client restaurants and, you know, that's, that's just kind of the way we've been coming at it. And people seem appreciative to not be hit with something salesy right now. And I think that's just the big takeaway for us. Got it. And have there been, you know, we've talked, uh, we actually had the RSPA uh, marketing committee met earlier this week. Um, and then we also did a podcast with some uh, Canadian reseller members, and they were talking about the products that they are introducing that could actually help the, um, you know, their merchants. And they're not presenting it as, do I have a deal for you? But they're presenting it as, here's something that might help. What do you think? Is Staley taking a similar approach, or is it really just a listening exercise right now? Or are there products you're introducing to people that you think might be able to help them? I think a bit of both. Um, we're absolutely focusing on the emerging technologies that we, we've already kind of pivoted a lot towards self-service kiosk and drive-through optimization tech, um, but also kind of reaching out to different companies that are, are coming to market with products that will help um, store operations with social distancing alerts and, and kind of ways to integrate those with digital signage through open APIs and just kind of wrapping our head around the next wave of gadgets and things that are going to be designed to kind of help optimize, you know, physical spaces to adjust to this new reality. Okay. And have folks been receptive to that? Like how have your merchants responded to you bringing up these, uh, these ideas? Um, they have been receptive. Some of our um, larger kind of QSR footprint clients have started to try to implement some additional wireless coverage to help with like a tab tablet line busting um, exercise kind of in the style of Chick-fil-A and some of the other big players. Um, so we're just we're just trying to let them know here's what some other people are doing. We understand this is a tough time and every business is different, but you know, these are some of the ways in which we see restaurants pivoting to a more online ordering pickup model. And here's some of the technologies that can help with that. Got it. And it seems like this is really an opportunity to be a trusted advisor and to be a friend. I know we don't usually talk about that from a sales and marketing standpoint, but it seems like reaching out as an individual to see like really how they're doing, how are their spirits, how's their health, and then seeing if there's things you can advise them on to keep their business afloat uh, during a difficult time. Sounds like that's the approach that Staley's taking. Yep, you're exactly right. And we, we hope that that's the approach that people will remember when, you know, things resume to whatever the new normal business way is. And that, you know, thanks to this, you know, the support programs that the government's pushing through, you know, our company feels that we're sound and going to be able to be there for them when they come back. Got it. Great. Lindsay, thank you very much uh, for sharing thank that. You. really appreciate it. Um, so that was the uh, the last question that has been submitted. And so picture that we are now uh, at, just say, the RSPA Inspire Conference or the uh, uh, Retail Now General Session. You know how we have that cube that has a microphone in it that people throw around? Uh, so I'm going to throw it to a couple folks and hopefully uh, they have their uh, microphones uh, working. So uh, one is Brianna Brown from APG Cash Drawer. Brianna, if you're with us, uh, hopefully we can unmute you. Uh, I know you had some perspectives from a marketing standpoint, what you are doing at APG, what you're seeing other folks doing, have attended a lot of uh, webinars in that regard, and you contributed to a blog post that's up on the uh, the RSP site right now. Brianna, can you share with us some of the uh, changes that you're making, you've seen uh, other leading companies making in terms of marketing and sales during the crisis? 
Sure. Thanks, Jim. Um, APG, we're a, a global manufacturer of cash management solutions. And uh, with everything that we're doing, a lot of our marketing plans have shifted. Um, we're cognizant of the impact that this is this has on our businesses and our customers. So um, most of our communication is really focusing around the concerns and um, troubles that people are having. We're empathetic, um, leading with what our customers need rather than pushing product. It's all it's all about thought leadership, providing helpful information, um, helping our customers with data or research that's been provided out there that can help build up their business and community. Any just resources that we can provide um, right now, I think helps lead to authenticity um, and also ultimately kind of build some trust. So that's kind of what we're looking from a marketing perspective. We're mindful about the imagery, how things are stated um, with social distancing, uh, not showing people in large crowds, high, shaking hands, high fives like that. Um, and I think also that this is a great time to just take a step back um, and reevaluate the voice of our customer because coming out of this, we know that things are going to be different. Um, looking at our personas and reframing what is the new normal after COVID. So those are just a quick few things that we're looking at. Yeah, and it seems like, uh, you know, one thing we talked about in the marketing committee call, there are some folks in our industry who are crazy busy right now, but then there are other folks who have some downtime. And so mm -hmm. downtime is not the time for you to catch up on Facebook or just wring your hands. It's an opportunity to relook and, like you said, reframe how your messaging could be going forward, how some of your approaches could be going forward. Um, mm -hmm. Is that correct, uh, uh, Brianna? Yes. And, it, you know, most or I would think a lot of people would have started looking at a digital marketing strategy. This is the time to invest your tools and resources towards that since there's so many people that are looking for that data online. Um, we lack the in-person exchanges through sales or trade show visits. So uh, building up that resource library right now, um, I think will help you in the long run. Great, thank you very much, uh, Brianna. And the RSPA, as I mentioned earlier, we've uh, uh, been producing a lot of content, not selling RSPA services, but basically providing information. And that really seems to be the appropriate thing at this point is not just, again, pushing products. There's products that can help them in their spot, that's fine to introduce them to it. But if you're giving them information to build up their business, um, and you know we've had uh, 5X the typical blog traffic RSPA did in, in the month of March. Uh, one reseller who I know is doing that well is Dale Seefeld from Anthem Business Solutions in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, and Dale, you were actually the person who had the idea for the RSPA to create our uh, small business resource center for merchants. I guess if you can talk about um, why you had that idea and how you're implementing that, if you don't mind. Sure, Jim. Um, yeah, the idea was that I, I knew you guys were bringing a lot of different resources together and was probably going to be keeping that maintained. And I figured for the entire community, it would be better if we could just link to a central store. So as those uh, documents and the information is being updated then it's always current so my thought was that we just put it on our landing page on the front of our website so that we could direct our customers there so that they would have access to the most current information through our website and also promote the rsba uh, as a professional group in general so that was kind of our thought and uh, we've had some good um, feedback from customers about it so and so thank you for that. And how have you engaged with your customers on that? Is it wait for them to bring it up? Is it something that you say, here's something that might help you? Like, again, here, I'm a trusted advisor. I'll point you towards resources. Can you, I guess, paint a picture for how those conversations are, are broached? Pretty much what we've been doing, the individual sales teams have been reaching out to their customer base on a one-on-one -on -one basis uh, through phone calls and emails and directing them to the, the resource. And at the same time, just saying, hey, if you need help with online ordering or something like that, we've got we've got that functionality available as well. So it is a very soft non-sales uh, engagement with the customer, but at the same time, it lets them know we are there and that we do care. Got it. 
Thank you. And uh, one more question for you. And uh, this is something that we talked about uh, with some of the uh, Canadian members, but I want to ask it to you because I know uh, you and um, Scott have run um, what used to be Tulsa Cash Drawer to Anthem now. Can I ask, how are you planning like strategically when the fog is pretty thick in terms of when this is going to end and, and how things are going to bounce back? Do you have any insights into that in terms of how are you thinking ahead from a business standpoint with all, all that's going on, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, we're trying to really just think through what the future is going to look, look like. like. Uh, we've got a, I've got a meeting here with my sales staff uh, as soon as this is over and we're just going to brainstorm. What does the business look like in the future? What does our restaurant base look like? How, how do we need to change our direction? Because it, it will change drastically. Um, you know, the number of seats in a restaurant is going to change. The interaction with guests will change. Uh, uh, they're not going to want to touch the same old plastic menus at a full service set down restaurant they've done in the past. So how can we, brainstorm ideas to uh, find new vendors or you know augment uh, technology that we're current providing to uh, to help in these spaces uh, things like digital menus uh, menu boards uh, digital signage drive-through headsets I mean we just we need to think differently about how we approach our customer base Got it. I know I've talked to some resellers and their thought is things are going to be different. Um, and one thing is when you're selling any point of sale system going forward, where you always have a cash drawer and a receipt printer, right? And, and you know, and a, you know, either a tablet or all in one, like some fundamental things. One of those things is going to be online ordering capability. Like folks are not going to want to get caught in this situation anymore. I don't know if you agree with that as well, Dale. Oh, completely. A hundred percent agree. Yes. Yeah. So I, yeah, the, it, the world is changing. This is an opportunity for retailers to change with it. I agree completely. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah it's, it. I think it's well, almost. Thank you. No, go it, ahead. Yeah, one more. In the future, I think it's almost going to be a, a, as um, standard as processing credit cards integrated that you'll have an online presence as part of that solution. Got it. Yes, we're hearing a lot about uh, about contactless payments uh, as well. So, Dale, thank you very much for weighing in. Uh, we're getting close to um, uh, the end of our roundtable today, but want to try to squeeze in a few more comments if I can call on somebody. First, I did, did get a comment uh, that somebody appreciates that Brianna weighed in, weighed in and said, I love the new APG countertop shield. So uh, thank you uh, for that note. Uh, Michelle Sirois from Blue Star Canada. Uh, so, Michelle, I know you've spoken at past RSPA uh, events um, about um, the Challenger sale and about, you know, really teaching your customers. Uh, if you're here on board, I guess, uh, what are you hearing from your partners? What is Blue Star doing uh, differently from a sales and marketing standpoint? Any insights you can share? We'd appreciate it, Michelle. Michelle, are you able to join us? Nope. Okay. Apparently, uh, apparently not. Um, is there anybody else who wants to weigh in before we close this out? Uh, we're getting close to the top of the hour for uh, for this roundtable. Um, all right. If hey, Jim. This is John. Jim. This is John. I just John wanted to, to just commend the team. You know, we, we heard some examples yesterday mm -hmm. of how our community, in in the worst of times here, with this with this terrible health crisis, you're finding a way. To, to compartmentalize the health crisis and, and the things you're trying to do for your business to continue to play offense. And that's commendable. Uh, you know, the environmental shields that were referenced uh, that APG has come out with, that's, a, that's a, a great example. When you hear Dale and his plan right after this call to, to sit around the table with his team and brainstorm, that's an example of playing offense. We heard from Thomas uh, yesterday from Skirla's up in Alaska, how he has kind of recognized the fact that customers have more time now than they typically have for obvious reasons. And he's using that time to interact and connect and drive even a stronger rapport that will be a lasting rapport. We heard a little more of that today. So I just want you to know that's inspiring to hear you guys figure out how to still play some measure of offense as you're forced to play defense and special teams. And, and I think if we can continue along those lines, 
we're going to get to a better place. And then one other point, just to put everything in context, the CARES Act was signed into law on the 27th of March. That's three weeks from tomorrow. Um, so we're moving pretty quick. Then on the 3rd, which was that following Wednesday, the 3rd of April, Bob Goldberg uh, ran a very thorough education, uh, education call on the benefits of the CARES Act and how to, how to execute. And although I want you to stay encouraged because I know although some of you are having some wrinkles and some bumps and bruises along the way as you try to take advantage of the benefits of the CARES Act, specifically uh, the liquidity realities here, uh, there are others that have been very successful and have had a good, a good experience. So I think stay with your banker, stay with your accountant, stay with your lawyer. Uh, look for those advocates to get you through this because you're done. You're in the red zone. You've done some great things just getting to this place, and it's been a pretty condensed time frame. So let's stay in this thing together. And if if Bob Goldberg can assist you, if anybody from the RSBA can assist you, if we can connect you with another member, uh, don't be shy about reaching out. Uh, we want to help you wherever we can. But most importantly, just know that uh, this community is inspiring uh, because you guys have managed to continue to play some measure of offense in the worst of times, and things are going to get better. So thank you, Jim. Yeah, thank you, John, and uh, thanks everybody for your participation uh, today. So that's all the time that we have, and we hope you enjoyed our discussion. Before we close out, just a few quick reminders about the RSPA COVID-19 services. Again, as uh, John alluded to, and we talked about a lot on this call, uh, lean on the RSPA General Counsel. You can reach out to Bob Goldberg if you're an RSPA member. Uh, phone and email uh, conversations at no charge for RSPA members. Also, the opportunity to outsource your HR services through GMS. Again, do what you do best, outsource the rest. For more information on that, you can email membership at gorspa.org. And then also, the RSPA continues to create uh, resources for resellers, ISVs, vendors, and even for your merchants during this crisis. You can find all those at gorspa.org forward slash crisis hyphen resources, or you can go to just the RSPA website and start clicking on, uh, you'll see the red banner on there. Uh, finally, we want to ask you to please subscribe to the RSPA YouTube channel and the Trusted Advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. Uh, we'd also appreciate it if you'd rate us wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Uh, before we go, uh, to uh, echo what John uh, Kirk said, and one of my favorite quotes from Franklin Roosevelt, which actually I heard this morning when I was listening to a, uh, a podcast, uh, uh, FDR said, above all, try something. And so this is a time for action. This is a time for you to test things, to measure them, to, like John said, uh, play some offense uh, for your business. Uh, and so a few thank yous before we go. Thanks to the RSP community for sharing their wisdom today. This is really, uh, really great. Uh, thanks also to RSP Marcom manager Chris Arnold for his production work, the entire RSPA team for joining in on this call, Joseph McDade for our music, and last but not least, thanks so much to you for listening. Our goal at the RSPA is to accelerate the success of our members in the point-of-sale ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, please visit our website at gorspa.org. Thank you for listening, and goodbye, everybody.